If you were not here this morning, or even if you were, just a quick recap, we're talking about Jeremiah, uh, uh, about going down to the potter's house. We'll go ahead and read that, Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah 18, and we'll read those verses again. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not, cannot I do with you as with this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the hands, is in the potter's hands, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. And we stopped there and remember we talked to you and and kept telling you that we are, I'm glad I'm in his hands. And so tonight we're going to preach on this. I'm still in his hands. (laughs) I'm still in his hands. This morning we talked to you four things. We talked to you about the mission. Each time a potter sets down to a wheel, it's not some arbitrary thing that he's trying to do. He has a a specific goal and a purpose in mind and a mission for each vessel each lump of clay, he wants to make that into a vessel that he can use. And each one of us here tonight, regardless of age, you have a specific purpose that God has ordained just for you. And that purpose is this. He wants to use you. He wants to use, and he makes us to be used of him. The material, we talked about the clay, how it comes from the dirt, from the mud, from the mire. And, but that's what he uses in order to make a vessel and how, how we are all formed from the dust and how, uh, you know, he, the, the, the potter gets in the mess with us and brings us out of that mess in order to make something, uh, that we don't even see within ourselves. Then we talked about the methods a little bit and how he removes the sticks and, and the things that he could see from his eye. But then he places that clay in running water to get the impurities out of that clay to be able to be molded and to be used. We talked to you a little bit about the wheels and how there's two wheels. There's a, a wheel that the clay rests on to be formed. And then there's the wheel at the bottom that is controlled by the foot of the potter. And we, we told you this, that no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter how overwhelmed you may be feeling, if you are on the wheel, the potter's in control. He's always in control and that's a great promise. But then we talk to you about the miracle of the clay and the miracle is this, that he can use me, that he can use you. He can take something that the world will look at as worthless and use us. And to me, that is still mind blowing and humbling that the God of heaven would pick me. And you can say that to yourself tonight, folks. Every one of us have a ministry. It may not be standing in a pulpit. It may not be singing a song. It may not be, uh, you know, visitation. It may not be uh, what other folks do in the church, but everyone has a ministry and you have a purpose in life that God has ordained just for you. And the humbling fact is that he would pick you to do that. He could pick anybody, but he picks you. And that is a wonderful miracle into that, in, into that end. But tonight I want to focus a little bit more and, and uh, just get into more of the methods that the, the potter uses because I kind of hit some of the good things, some of the highlights 
that, uh, that the potter does, and it was all in a positive realm. But I want you to notice this. Sometimes for us to be where the potter wants us to be, sometimes it'll take some pain. Sometimes it takes different methods. Sometimes it takes a lot of patience. And sometimes it takes a lot of work, a lot of molding in order to get us where he needs us to be. And you may be in that situation tonight. You may feel like, I I know I'm on this wheel. I know God is forming me. But when will it be done? When will the work be done? When, When will I stop spinning? When is he done with me? When can I be used of him? That's a, those are all great questions. Some of you may be in that point tonight. Some of you may have already been through that process and God is using you. But, but listen, know this, that he is always, always forming us. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. But first of all, first of all I want you to notice this. The preparation in order to get on the wheel. I talked to you a little bit this morning about the process that the potter goes through, how he takes this clay out of the mud and then he puts it in running water. But what I didn't tell you is this, in order to get from the water to the wheel, there has to be a preparation for that to happen. And what the potter will do, he'll actually trample the clay underfoot to make sure that there is the the last impurities that they can be found, he will get down and he will stop on that clay to make sure that the water flows through every piece of clay in order to make sure there's no impurities. May I remind you of this, God will not form and work on a dirty vessel. You have to be free from impurities. And the only way to do that is sometimes God has to chastise us. Sometimes he allows us to go through things to help us to understand in order to get to where we need to be, we've got to go through some things. And the reason why we go through some things is to get off of us the things that don't need to be there. And you say, what are those things? Well, I could do a list, A, B, C, or D, but if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and put his finger on things in your life that don't need to be there. There may be a reason why you can't be used yet. There may be a reason why you're still on the wheel. Maybe it's because you have something on the inside that the potter needs to get out of the way. And so he will stop the clay underfoot. And he will take this and then he will uh, use, these, use these balls of clay and he'll get just the amount that he needs and he'll place it on the wheel. And the preparation comes from, from again, from the, from the stopping it and, and getting it prepared. But then after that comes the patience, the patience. Because it takes time in order for the potter to make sure that the vessel is right. You say, where's the, the patience come? Well, um, I, I, may, I know I've shared this in the past, but when I started off in the college, I was, a, I was an art major. And Barbara Day at Minford was my art teacher. She was a great inspiration to me. And we took a lot of, we did a lot of pottery things and took powder, pottery classes in college. And so, what we learned is how to prepare the clay in order for it to be used. And, you know, the potter will stop on the clay and, 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 and beat it, excuse me, and he will make sure all the impurities are out. 
But once you get that lump of clay, you just don't put a lump of clay on the wheel and start forming it. You actually have to throw it and pound it and throw it and pound it and knead it like a loaf of bread. You say, Brian, why is that for? It's a preparation. The preparation is this, getting all the air pockets out so that way there's no air pockets inside the clay. You say, what's an air pocket? Not good. One little tiny air pocket in the lump of clay, you may not be able to see it with his eye, the potter may not be able to see it, but if by chance the vessel is formed and it cannot be seen with the naked eye, if there's an air pocket inside and that vessel is put in the oven as we'll get to in a little bit, it'll do some major, major damage. And so they have to pound it. They have to drive it. They own the table. They have to knead it. And and, and you say, when does the potter know that it's ready? He can feel it. And when the, the potter knows that the clay is ready by the touch of the clay and he knows it's ready. And so when, after it's prepared and after he puts it on the wheel and then he begins to form it and he begins to make it and listen to this, here's where the patience comes in. After he forms it and after he makes it and gets it to where it needs to be, you say, Brian, does it go right into the oven? No, he actually puts it on a shelf because it's not ready to be used yet. Even though it's formed, and even though it's a vessel, even though he knows what it's going to be, he can't use it yet. You say, Brian, how does that apply to me? You ever met somebody that gets saved on Monday, or on Sunday and wants to be a deacon on Monday? You ever meet somebody that, that they get saved and then just a short time later they want to they do this or that. They want to have a leadership position. Sometimes when it comes, in fact most of the time, there's some patience involved when you come to know Christ. You've got to learn something. You've got to go through something. And yes, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, but God isn't ready to use you yet, so he has to put you on the shelf. And while you're on the shelf, listen to this. The shelf is not in direct sunlight. So the, the vessel will never feel the heat of the day. But what it does feel is the wind. <laughs> and so the sun is not shining down on it and beating down on it. But what it does is the wind blows through and it dries out the clay. The effects of the wind make it a vessel that can be used. <laughs> Did you get that? (laughs) The effects of the wind make it a vessel that can be used. I'm so thankful that when I was saved and God put me on the shelf and said, you just wait a minute, Brian, wait a few years, I'm going to use you. But until that time, I'm going to let the wind blow and let it saturate you and get you prepared so I can use you. But there's patience involved. There's patience involved. Sometimes when God places a calling in your life, you feel like you can go and save the world. But God says there's patience. It's timing. And just because you're on the shelf don't mean you're not important. Remember, you're still in his hands. It's just not your time. But when it is your time... (laughs) Now comes the purifying. (laughs) 
you've got the preparation, you've got the patience, and now the purifying. You say, Brian, where's the purifying come in? I thought that was already done with the water. Not completely. Because there's only one thing that'll completely purify a vessel. <laughs> you say, what is it? I'm so glad you asked. As George Holly says, you're asking great questions. Keep it up. You know what happens? They, they form what they call a kiln, K-I-L-N. It is a brick oven. Most kilns would be around four foot deep, about eight foot in diameter. And what they would do is they would build a fire. <laughs> and then they would put uh, little little uh, wood pieces, not wood pieces, but they would put stone tables there and they would begin to stack the vessels that have been sitting in the wind, uh, exposed to the wind. Once they are dried out and ready to be used, then he says, now I'm gonna purify them and, and sanctify them so that I can use them. And he'll put them inside that kiln and he'll stack them sometimes 12 foot high and he'll put them in that oven. You say, Brian, what's that oven do? Oh, the fire comes through and it purifies and it makes that vessel ready to be used. Hallelujah, aren't you glad tonight for the purifying fire of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. I'm glad for that purifying. Hallelujah. And here's the problem though. Remember when I said air pockets? Here's the danger. Here's the danger. If we aren't Prepare, prepare correctly. If we aren't exposed to the wind, which is a type of the Holy Spirit correctly. And we have an air bubble on the inside. Say you have an oven full, 30 or 40 pieces, 30 or 40 vessels that are ready to be fired and ready to be purified. If one vessel has an air pocket and there's a hairline crack that can't be seen to the naked eye. What'll happen is it'll explode in the oven. You say, okay, well then it's broke. That's just one piece. No, what you don't understand is every other vessel is in danger because of one little air pocket. You know what happens? When you don't let God prepare you? You know what happens when you aren't exposed to the spirit long enough? You develop a spiritual air pocket. And when the fires of judgment come, when the fires of purifying come, instead of saying, Lord, sanctify me and purify me to your use, you crack and you explode under the pressure and under the fire. You say, well, Brian, I'm only doing damage to myself. No, you're not. What you don't understand is every vessel and under the sound of my voice tonight, you are a vessel. You are a chosen vessel. You have influence. And if anybody, if any one of you have an air pocket and God begins to do a purifying process in you and you are surrounded by people that you have influence, listen, when you crack under the pressure, when you cave under the pressure, when you explode from the pressure, you'll not only damage yourself, but you'll damage people around you, people, innocent people. Listen, folks, this is serious business. God wants you to be a clean vessel. A clean vessel. Hallelujah. The patience 
the purifying. And if you're able to make it out of the fire and finally able to get out of that oven and and you've made it through the purifying process, then now, at that time, that's when you can be used. And you say, Brian, what's the main use of a vessel? Simply this. It's to carry or to hold something. Right? And you say, Brian, what's my main purpose in life? What should be my main purpose? Graduates, you may ask, what's my purpose in life? I'll tell you what it is. It's to hold something. Not actually not hold something. It's to hold someone. You're responsible to hold what God has given you. Every one of us, you are responsible to hold the blessed Holy Spirit. But sometimes even after, after this, uh, this firing process and the oven process, now they, they do it in, in, uh, over in the Holy Land and over in, in Israel still to this day, but we over here in, in America, especially in my art classes, we actually would glaze a lot of vessels. And so what would happen would be, we would take, uh, we would paint designs on this vessel to make it look the way we want it to look. And then, then when you were done with that, then you would glaze it and put a glaze on top of it. To be very honest with you, when it was done, when you were done painting it and done putting glaze on it, it was ugly. It was, especially mine. You notice I didn't stay in art. There's a reason why they call them starving artists. And so I didn't stay long as an art major. But you would paint these vessels and you would put the glaze on them. They were ugly. But in order to get them the way you want them, here's what you did. You put them back in the fire. And when you put them back in the fire, what was ugly and what, what you thought, well, this will never turn out good. You put them back in the fire. And when they were done in the fire, they came out beautiful. And you thought, I didn't know I could make something like that. I said that to myself many times. <laughs> but it was all because of the work of the fire. <laughs> it made them shiny. It, it, it made them decorative. And so you say, well, what does that have to do with me? Say, sometimes God will, will, will want to use you just more than just to hold something. He wants to use you as a decorative piece of his glory. You say, what, is, what does that have to do with me? I'll tell you what it does. Anytime an artist paints, a, or an artist paints this vessel or a potter paints a vessel and it goes back into the fire, after it's done, guess what it does? People look at it and say, what a beautiful piece of pottery. I wonder who made it. I wonder who painted it. And you can say, you know what? That was my potter. That was the one. It all goes back to the potter. So when people look at you and you can say, man, seems like you've been blessed in life. Seems like you've got this. Seems like you got a great family. Seems like you're doing well. You can say, guess who made it? It was the potter. He made me. He fashioned me. He formed me. And everything that we are blessed with in life should always point back to the one who made it. Hallelujah. Finally, notice this. The presentation. The presentation. 
Sometimes, I think our pastors even mentioned this here before. Sometimes a potter will make a piece so special that it'll be a one of a kind vessel. Everything will be perfect about it. And what he will do is he will, underneath the vessel at the bottom of it, he will inscribe his name and put one of one. Meaning there's no other vessel like it in the world. And what he'll do is he'll put it on the shelf as a presentation or as a piece to say, I could never do anything better than that. And you say, well, when, when are they used? Do they ever use them? They do. They use them for the very special occasions like weddings, They'll use them in wedding feasts. Special occasions like that. When they, they want something special. And so what he'll do is maybe during a wedding feast, he'll go back to those perfect vessels that he made. And he'll bring them off the shelf and present them at that wedding feast. And say, this perfect piece is only suitable for this wedding. Boy, there's coming a day, folks. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but when God saved you, you know what he did? He signed your name on it with his precious blood and he put one of one. <laughs> there's no other you in this world. He made you exactly the way he wanted to make you. And guess what? We're all up on that spiritual shelf right now. But there's one day when he's going to take us off that shelf and present us and use us. Guess what it is? The great marriage supper of the Lamb. When we all gather around the table of the Lord and he presents us and he says, look what I did, Father. I couldn't make anything better than this. Aren't you faithful tonight? Hallelujah. The world may think of us as crazy. The world may not see anything special in us. But to the potter, hallelujah, we are special. He loves us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful I am still in his hands. And on that day, I'll still be in his hands.